<laughs> sports Ian. Stop it, Sports Ian. Welcome to the Complete Unnecessary Podcast for Tuesday, October 18th, 2022. The first day, new NBA season. That's right. That's Ian Ferguson. Yep. Excited for his Pistons on Pat Contry. Looking looking up Joe the Dubs. league pass prices. Yeah. Going to do that tonight. Uh, I don't want to have to go to bars for every fucking game. Well, one of those, you can get two devices. Maybe we can go 50-50. I don't know how that works. We got to look at that. We on can take show, a look at that. On the show today, we'll be recapping PRGE, PRGE and Pat being confronted by a sealed collector. I knew it was going to happen. Um, Sony buys the rights to the GameStop meme stock movie. Say that three times fast. The You Do console, you know, I don't want to get right, it's You Do, no, You Do, You Do console, Kickstarter, and more happening, L- and G4 is gone. Big uh, Go Bills, want to just throw out a Big Go Bills, uh, that was a fucking victorious? hell of a game. Oh, yeah, they were victorious. You and Norm at the PRG booth that we had, um, had your signs up. I put up a Go Bills sign, and then Norm decided he had to get up. A KC Chiefs side, and I think it was that move by Norm that sealed the Kansas City Chiefs' loss. Really? He put a curse on it? He cursed himself. Curse. Well, it was a close game. It was a close game. Very close. And the Giants somehow are 5-1, and one, and that no one saw that coming. And the rest of the schedule... The fucking Giants! And the, and the Big Blue, and the next like four or five weeks is a fairly easy schedule, so they can be like... Not going to jinx it, like eight and two, maybe, or like eight and three. Bill's schedule's um, looking pretty good, and yeah, as well. Um, Bill's schedule's looking pretty easy, and uh, yeah, it's I don't know. Um, yeah. And our bye week is this week too, so we're going to be well get fucking to, get rested. To relax. We're going to be well rested. I don't have to stress out this Sunday, <laughs> uh, but we're excited for uh, to to be back at uh, PRG. It was a great time. It was we wondrous. Talk, we talked about all the food and, and Norm and I going on a date at the on the exclusive Patreon the extracurricular activities on patreon.com slash CU podcast. Um, but it was good to be back, Ian. It was interesting. Three years is a long time in the retro gaming world and especially with all the shenanigans that have happened in between with uh, sealed collecting and, and WADA uh, going uh, down in flames publicly. You know, so it, it was interesting to be back. Well, obviously, there were still Wada was still there, and you still had Heritage Auctions there. Obviously, no one's really going into those booths. Um, you had uh, uh, Golden Auctions there. I'm actually uh, friendly with Dominic at Golden Auctions. I talked to him at, at these conventions. I didn't realize he was with Golden Auctions. I forget. I think I talked to him at too many games as well. And then, um, So there's like a concentration of the SEAL stuff, but even they admit like no one's really coming up to the booth. Really, you know, the booth. They're trying sure. to consign. They're trying to get more business. Right. You know, cons- yeah, I think that's what it is. Uh, it's trying to get consignment. But that's not who goes to these conventions by and large. Right. These, this is the, the heartbeat of the retro gaming world is Portland to see what's what's going on and what's happening. So what, what, what your any, any main takeaways from PRG? How did it feel? Yeah, sure. So I, I honestly felt like they did a, a really admirable job of making the first one back in three years feel uh, familiar, mm-hmm. comforting. Um, I feel like there was maybe a little less in terms of pinball this year. Uh, in previous years, I remember like another row kind of yeah, back. They're probably about what forty pinball machines, and usually it's probably like seventy or they, so. 75. I think it was probably forty this year, and yeah, they usually advertise about like sixty. Okay, not a huge deal. I mean, whatever, shit happens. I'm just that's fine. You know, it's just what yeah, I noticed. They might have been a slightly smaller, but that's fine. It was still really fun. There was a lot of cool things there. I'm always happy to see uh, a live Star Castle. And I have to play oh, yeah. Star Castle every time. I love Star Castle. You don't see I'm too often. miserable at Star Castle, but I love it, and that's no surprise because it's what okay. Yars Revenge took its uh, 
inspiration from. Sure. Um, the vendor floor was... I felt like there was a really nice selection of stuff on the vendor floor this year, um, you know, compared to three years ago. Uh, three years ago, I couldn't find, like, a Switch game to save my life. This year, all sorts of vendors had Switch games, and that's something I wanted to bring up. It's very interesting to me to see the acceptance of Switch games, a modern system, at retro game conventions, because there was quite a few of them at um, SoCal as okay. well. And I think part of it is because Switch gets so many physical releases through Limited Run and all the other mm-hmm. sort of um, you know, companies that you know, these little ones that come out three years ago are kind of collectible now, or they're things people want to look for. Um, so you find them. And I also think it's just, it's one of those systems that I, I, you see it online, there's a lot of Switch collectors. I think because it's a Nintendo system, people kind of gravitate towards collecting it. So among all the old stuff, you see a lot, you know, smaller yeah, form. Right. Maybe that helps. And they did, you know, yeah. I did see like PS4 games and stuff there, and Xbox, a little I, bit I of Xbox v- One. I saw one a stuff. bunch of Vita games. Yes, well, Vita, I, th- I mean, yeah. as a discontinued system, that counts to me. I'm talking like the Switch oh. is current. Like, gotcha. You know, it, it would be like seeing PS5 and Xbox Series X games. So I, I, the Switch is interesting. It's also because now you have like eight or nine different companies putting out these yeah. you know, very smaller homebrew style games. That's so what I just said. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, so you can collect across all these different... But like keeping up with all that is going to be like... It's for, tough. For someone to get every single Switch game is going to be going to be not easy, I think, looking at that. Like, like how, Same way like the Wii was. Like they're gonna have you're gonna it's gonna be hard to like catch up to all these releases probably. Chris Kohler had a thread going, I think, last night or this morning that was pretty good about how, you know, we're kind of over set collectors. It's just not really a thing that's going to happen anymore. Uh, and that's both uh modern, you know, modern and retro. Because yeah, we, we it, said it, that. We said it's that. Ve- it's just it's it's uh, way too expensive for all but the richest people to do full set collecting anymore because there's so many games that have shot up in value for each system it used to be and i the point he made but i've, I've said this before too was when a loose stadium events was a two thousand dollar cartridge mm-hmm. and that was the most expensive thing you were buying um it was accessible for a lot more people it was reasonable yeah and now you know that's just that's unheard of even even was like four or five maybe for some people that's like within striking distance and now you know that's something you can work towards yeah that's absolutely something you can find you can work out a trade work out a deal but you know those days are long gone but i would also say that those days were gone in 2019 uh yeah but prices were coming down on on, On nes on the nes super stuff in genesis it was sliding down we talked about that right Uh, in terms of general interest though what happens when prices go up to a certain amount though if there's no interest they're going to come back down sure That's, that's also the thing sure and i didn't I, I did not do a good job this week, and obviously we were busy. We had a booth up front. Thanks for everyone who came to the booth. Oh, yeah, it was real busy. Uh, um, thanks to everyone who bought my stuff. Like, I sold out of everything but, like, two Xbox games the first day, which is, I love it. It's less stress on Sunday. Yeah, we sold some T-shirts. We sold some pins. We sold some stickers. I uh, sold uh, all but three boxes of books that Portland's going to hold on to me, so I did, I did good there. But I did not do as good a job as I usually do. Like, in 19, I was at, going around asking vendors what is selling. I, I did that a little bit from the general consensus I got just from that was that N64 is like the oldest console. That's like the big amount of interest. That's was my in GameCube, like so turn of the century, so like 20 years, which w- kind of makes sense. That's what that's what I was told in terms of like for demographics. That makes sense at this point, because if you're like your 
mid to late 20s, you grew up with N64 and GameCube. You just did. Yeah, we always talk so, about that. I think uh, PS2 is getting there as well. Same time. So yeah, turn of the century. You a little bit means? later. Oh, uh, yeah, no. You're right. 2000, 2001. So like, a little after. That's what, to me, is acceptable. I saw one Twitter thread uh, with expensive, this is expensive games, with, like, I think it was expensive N64 games with, like, we're talking, like, $1,400 for, like, Sculptor's Cut expensive. Sure. Saying, like, no one's, basically, like, no one's buying these. There's probably going to be, a, like, like some sort of, like, bubble going to burst. And that's what it was happening with NES games in 2019. I asked, I asked um, the folks at, uh, I think the folks at Double Jump, I asked, uh, you know, they had the, the case of, like, the, we'll say three, four dollars NES games, loose. Like, you know, like your Bonk's Adventure stuff, your your power blade to you know what i mean that that's yeah. here like the, the stuff that's un, un, very uncommon or rare stuff and i asked him on sunday i remember he said yeah none of these have sold like the whole weekend they weren't selling so i think there's still that i think we're, we're going to see the next six months to a year uh the the correction happened from uh everyone's predicting some sort of recession um we've had inflation and i think you're going to see the buying at that high high level stop i just think you will Sure. I think it's going to come back down to earth. I um, Something that I did see, though, was interesting is uh, portable seems to be picking up. Potent portables? Portable. Uh, definitely seems to be picking up uh, for a couple of reasons. One, Vani brought two very expensive DS games. Well, expensive. What was like 250? They were both 250. Okay. Um, she probably could have gotten 300 for both of them, but she just wanted to move them. Uh, well, like cash is king, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, so she sold both of those with, uh, like, no problem. Within the first three hours, I think, of um, Saturday, she now, sold it. Now, are those games more geared towards, like, like sort of an Earthbound-style expensive game where people want to buy it to play it more so than collect it? Or you think those are collect? It was both. Uh, collect- I, God, my brain is fighting right now. The guy who bought Commando Steel Assault from us, he collects and he wants the rarities, but he just wants to play it. So it's like an Earthbound sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, he does. Uh, you know, I mean, it's easily piratable, all that stuff is. But, you know, he's one of those collectors who buys the expensive games and then plays them like I do with PC Engine. Um, so he was really looking forward to that. Uh, or he got that. So Vani moved both of those quick. I saw a lot of boxed Game Boy games on the show floor. Uh, mm. Those weren't moving, but I saw many higher priced loose Game Boy games and Game Boy Advance games on Friday that or on Saturday that were gone by Sunday. Um, uh, including it, DS, including some DS and 3DS stuff. Like I saw the Azuna games; those were selling pretty well. The first one. So yeah, it was interesting to see like. Those are things in years past, three years ago, that just would not have moved. You think the Switch helped that, being a handheld itself, kind of, like, might have helped? Push Maybe. I, I feel like the pandemic helped handhelds. I also feel like the analog pocket has helped handhelds. Okay, good point. Um, so, you know, and then there's, uh, like, eight, there's Game Boy consoleizers. So there's a lot of new and great ways to play portable games on clearer screens, better battery life systems even if you're using a modded game boy advance or a modded game gear the 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 ways to play all of these games are suddenly i think a lot more appealing to people gotcha it so. looks like just looking at earthbound that's always like the, the, the we always pick earthbound to talk about because people want it but it's not a like a rare game you can find it uh it looks like the sold on ebay averages around three hundred dollars yeah that. well i saw uh, wow. i think tom told me that he saw people with uh, someone with a stack of like five hundred dollar Earthbounds. Yeah, that that's or maybe what, it was Adriana. That's a game where I would say like I don't see that 
Because that was dropping below two hundred dollars three years ago. That was falling. There was one point oh. at Luna where we were selling it for a hundred and fifty. Yeah, and people were actually like balking at the price. So that's what I mean. So that's when you see these weird swings like this, where this is going to come back down to earth. Sure, bound. Huh? Bound. Yeah. Get it. Yeah. Thanks, Pat. Oh, uh, uh, well, how? Uh, what did you spend money on? What did you get? I got I, more than I expected. So I only went looking for a couple of things. Uh, one thing I'm always looking for that I'll never find at one of these conventions, but if I'm going to find it someplace, it's a, uh, they made some plug and play Densha de Go games, the, the train simulators. Yeah. Uh, there was a, there's a, a, a plug and play one that I think runs a PS2 version of a game, basically. And I would love to find that. I'm always looking for someone who's doing like a Densha de Go bundle. With like the controller that works for that game and that game, I always see like the loose games and the loose oh, controllers. You're looking for the N64 controller? No, no, oh, no, just any. I mean, anything that I can play. So PS2 oh, okay. or PS1 is what I'm looking for. Because uh, uh, another castle had the Japanese N64 controller in the I, box. I did see that. I, I yeah. almost asked about it, but I was like, I don't want to take that back. It's it's big. Sure. Um, but I was looking for one Game Boy Advance game. It's a Dragon Ball Advance Adventure. It's not based on Z. It's based on the earlier anime. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a side-scrolling action game, which, oddly, for the Dragon Ball universe, just doesn't really exist. Uh, and it's really great sprite work. So I picked that up. Um, I bought Switch stuff. I ended up going home with, like, four or five Switch games because I had money in my pocket. They were ones that I was looking for. They were ones that you had to pre-order or order online, and I just I always forget to do that shit. Mm -hmm. So I pitched, uh, picked up a handful of Switch games, some loose Game Boy games, and a lot of like decent um, PC Engine filler. Um, PC Engine was on the show floor, and some of it was high priced, but I found a guy whose prices were really reasonable and was willing to deal with me. So I got a lot of like interesting. Uh, or simpler stuff. So I got like Volfield, which is kind of like a, a kicks game. Okay. Um, I picked up Rock On, which is a shooter uh, for only 20 bucks. Any shooter on the PC Engine for $20. Gotcha. That's not bad. Is like, that's a good price. I picked up Minesweeper finally. There's a version of Minesweeper for the PC Engine, and it's oh. not a homebrew. It's an actual release oh. on the PC Engine. And uh, With, like I, bells and whistles for mines. I'm kind of interested in that. Now. I mean, very few bells and whistles, but sure. basically there's like different tile sets you can use, but it's just, it's just Minesweeper. Um, and the guy had it for 10 bucks and I'm like, every time I see this, I want to pick it up, but it's just so silly. And he's like, well, buy it for five instead of 10. There and I go. was like, all right, that's, 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 like, thanks. That's how you move your stuff right there. You work with the person. Uh, Vada was really happy the, with her pickups. Playing out the controller must be hell. The terms of timing versus a mouse. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. That just sounds... Well, there's no timing in Minesweeper. I mean, the time to click oh. versus going over... Oh, sure. Yeah, it takes forever. Yeah, it takes forever. Um, then you can, like, misclick, maybe, unless it's unless it's by grid. Try by grid. That makes sense. Vani picked up three Saturn games, including Shinobi Legions. Okay. So that's cool. That's the live-action graphics Shinobi. What did Pat get? Pat got PC games. This could be the first time I did not buy anything for a console at all at PRGE. I'm trying to remember if I never bought anything. So there was a decent amount of PC stuff because now it's been priced higher than it used to be. Um, you know, people are pricing like stuff like King's Quest two and three for like seventy five dollars each. And like six seven years ago, that stuff would be like twenty bucks, fifteen bucks, some of that stuff. Um, so uh, another castle was also wholesaling certain Super Nintendo NES guidebooks. They're going to be selling at their stores there. Uh, they had, they just had gotten a trade in. I think that week, 
of I'm talking 200 to 250 PC games from the 80s. Big box stuff. Yeah. Big, big box. Big, big box. Big, big box. Slightly less big box. Um, so we'll start with them. And they, and it, they, were, they were moving because they were reasonably priced. They realized that, like, yeah, you can sit on this stuff forever and try to piece it out. Or you sell it at good prices and you get rid- and they were gone by Sunday, most of them. The show floor was a dichotomy. The people who yeah. went there and they were like, it's Portland so I can get the high price. And that didn't really work for some people. Yeah. And then there was a good amount of sellers there that were pricing their stuff really reasonable because they knew they could move volume. Yes. And so they moved. By Sunday, they were almost all gone. And um, there was, I think there was one game uh, I looked at that might have been gone that I was thinking about. But they had good stuff. They had like the the album Wasteland, which I might have. I forget. They, they only wanted 25 bucks for something like that. And that's like a game you'd want, like the original Wasteland. For example. Right. But I got some good stuff and got a good deal. I got Indiana Jones and the Lost Kingdom. Oh, sorry. That's, that was that Turbo card. Oh, uh, I love that. Sticker someone gave me. So it has all the feelies and it has the, the copy protection red thing to read in the bottom of the manual here. On the bottom of the pages, uh, the copy protection stuff. I got um, Sierra Championship Boxing. Talked about this before. This one I, I didn't know my, my my friend had as a kid, and I didn't realize what it was. And that's an uncommon one. I did not have. A, I believe here's the problem. I don't have a, a, a database of all my PC games. I got to make one. I got Karateka. Nice. That's uh, awesome. It was at. Uh, it's a really nice copy. Half price books for four ninety nine. At some point, it, it got turned in there. So this is. I didn't know what this this is worth, but I figured. Get that one. I got. I had the disc version of this, but not the box. Good condition. The Double Dare Game Tech game. Yep, that's awesome too. Really that. good shape. Let me check that. Check one that out. one out. I got uh, the good version of Bill and Ted on the on the Commodore sixty four. It's not the NES one. And it comes. It actually saw free movie admission to Bill and Ted two. Oh, so like there's actually a, 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 a thing inside where you can mail it away uh, for that. And then finally, I got. Of course, this stuck out to me. And I'm not. I don't think this one's easy to find. I got Deathbringer, uh, swords and sandal type of game with a beefy guy and a thong girl on the cover there, and it has free poster. They knew who they were selling to, and the poster's in there. And it's like one side is the size of the box. It's a it a, it's a decent sized poster nice. in there. And this is a um, RPG, uh, like adventure RPG. It's a cinemaware game. That's right. It's a cinemaware game. Um, it's a dungeon crawler slash RPG. There. So there you go. Uh, yes. So I got all these, and that's really what I got. Some people uh, were nice to give me a few games, uh, but um, other than that, that was basically it. I just don't have the energy to sift through games anymore, or, or the time. We, we were busy at our booth. We had a nice location. So, like, uh, uh, label upgrades would be nice, but I, I've got to sift through 50, 100 games to try to find one label upgrade. I'm like, it's not worth my time. I don't do it anymore. Like, there's a couple places that had, like, bins of Game Boy games, mm-hmm. and, like, I I went back to one and put my hand in and actually pulled out a game I needed for a decent price, mm-hmm. uh, Kung Fu Master for the Game Boy, a game that I wanted. I don't need any of them. Um, but in general, like I'll reach in, pull out a couple of duds, and be like, I can't do this. Yeah. Uh, then uh, speaking of that, I, I, I mentioned um, another castle has the the books in stock. Also, um, Double Jump has the books in stock there. Oh, Double Jump is great. I like okay. Double Jump. Uh, I, the the dude who owns it is great. I, I honestly I feel bad because I can't remember his name now. But that was a story that I that I was telling the Norm that was cool when we first started going to Portland. That dude was like a teenager, 
Oh, was he? Yeah, he was a like late teenager, you know, really nice. Always came up and said hi to us and stuff like that. And then I think it was 2019, and he used to ask me about like running a shop and stuff like that. Okay. And then in 2019, I think it was I, he comes up to the table. He's like, "Dude, I got a shop now," and that's uh, that's his shop. I like that shop. No, it seems like it's run well. Yeah. Um, and and really fair prices too. So yeah, thanks for having everyone out. Our podcast panel went well. It was fairly full. I, I had my basically 10 year anniversary panel on Sunday that me being at PRG was my 10th one Ian 10th one yeah that's a, crazy 11 through 19 and 22 yeah uh and it was interesting I did not have the person I did not have my my the kid who started up as a nine-year-old trolling me about Genesis at the first one he would come every year uh he was not there this year I felt kind of bad maybe he's in college probably in college by now that's probably why he's probably in college so um there was a kid that would come to the original one and he said can you sign my Genesis this is back to 2000. If you sign my Sega Genesis, it would be like Satan signing the Bible. Oh. That's what he said to be my first panel. Little whippersnapper. <laughs> and he would troll me at every panel I went to the first five or six years nice. I went to Portland. And I don't think he was there, though, uh, this year. Uh, it was great. Uh, the museum was great with the Miss Pac-Man and Pac-Man stuff was great. Uh, I, it was an excellent museum. I did museum. not have a chance to go through a lot of it. Um, I dropped off some books and Blu-rays for, to, to sell for the money to go to, to the foundation. But I, but I did not have the time to spend. I should have grabbed the ribbon at least. That would have been fun. I think I've got one somewhere. Frank and Kelsey do a great job on it every year. Um, I really enjoyed like seeing the board games. Like I I loved seeing like the board and card game like merch that they had for it. Oh yeah. Um, and then uh, Stefan's uh, uh, Art of Nintendo Power exhibit was great as always. I think he had a handful of new pieces that weren't at SoCal. And um, the Sega Saturn Lounge was awesome. Vani was in heaven. Did you get to check it out? Uh, it was so cool. Uh, the guys there, I noticed that there was a new like Sega Saturn fanzine coming out oh. uh, the, before. And I walked in and they were actually a Sega Shiro podcast, I think. They were actually kind of running that area, I believe, with Adam Korolik. And uh, I saw the magazine and I freaked out because I thought Vani would like it. And they actually gave me the demo copy they had there. So Vani was super wow. pumped about that. I had to leave Vani there because i had to get back to the table she like they showed her around and they were chatting saturn um what else was really cool is they had some of the netlink system set up and they had the full twin stick setups for uh virtual on. yeah they had multiplayer virtual, yeah, for on, virtual right? on and they yeah. also had a, i believe the uh netlink daytona um they had a bunch of rare shooters and then they, i think they had i think it was a full u.s saturn collection in the corner i think that was john yeah, would, hancock's games i think I, I wish i had the time to do that i did check out the blockbuster spirits because i did enter but did not win the blockbuster video game championship you lost i did better than i thought though i i uh, it was first here's the problem with the way it's set up i have an issue with how the format was i know a lot of people are going to enter this sure. but if only one out of ten people are moving on, I don't think that's a fair way to, to have people move on to the finals. Um, no, especially because uh, Bomberman, I mean... It's, it's you, half random and half just... In Bomberman, you can absolutely win without skill. You walk around. I mean, yes. I'm not saying it's easy to do, but... You, sit, you can stick in the corner. If you start in the corner, you can stick around and wait till like, eight people are done. Best, best player accidentally blows themselves yes. up. Well, staying in the corner, Bomberman is interesting in that that's really a horrible strategy because if you just stand in the corner, you don't get any power-ups. And if you True. don't get any power you're fucked. Or maybe you go a little bit out. But that's the thing about Barman. The power-ups are randomized. So if you start right away with, with the animal that you hop on, you're already ahead of the game because it's faster and it's an extra hit sure. before you die. So I'm not complaining. I was player six, Ian. I was in, near the middle. That You don't want to sure. start in the middle. Yeah, that's a little rough. But that's a little rough. I did win one round. And here's the problem. I got confident. I'm like, oh, I won one round. 
I'll only got to win two more. And then I almost won. I was the last of two players on another round. I was, that's why I was like, I fucked. I killed myself. I was like, fuck. So then I gave myself, uh, I gave myself hope. And then after that, I sucked. So like, I almost won the first two out of like four or five rounds. It went like, it went like, I think 10 rounds total before someone went 10 or 11 rounds. Like, like, uh, I won one, someone else won one and like two or three people won two. It was, it got, it got hairy there for a second. There was one person that had two wins, but then they did a, a double kill and got a draw with someone else. So they almost won. Uh, so it was, but the point is this, is that that was not a good test of my talents. That's all I'll say that. Ah, uh, I see. It's not a good test of my talents there. Um, but thanks for having us at PRG. Uh, we have to Always on. amazing. Got to move. Sony buying the rights to the GameStop meme stock movie. There's already been two or three documentaries on this. Netflix has put out a documentary about this. The stock, of course, is down to whatever, 20, 25 bucks. It's probably still overpriced now. The meme a part of this is now over. Maybe they'll try to do another run at it. Um, I, I don't think this is that interesting that we need an actual narrative, like fictional film about this. No, absolutely what, not. What, people hanging out at, on, their, on their computer desk going on Reddit. That's, that's going to be an interesting movie. You don't be like, oh, let's get in on this. Let's try to screw over the Wall Street people that are short in the stock. They're going to probably kind of try to be like, oh, this person's last chance at money. They might have an opportunity, you know, to make money to help out with medical bills or something. But the actual process of seeing people click a button to buy stock on their phone or computer, I don't think that's that interesting. I don't. Sure. But they're filming it and they're going to come out with it, I think. Yeah, sounds uh, awful. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Uh, you're talking about this Bayonetta 3 voice. Yeah, this was big over the weekend. and It's I got, still going on. Yeah, and I've got a, a, some thoughts on it. So, um, Helena Taylor, who was the original uh, you know, uh, voice actress for Bayonetta. So, Bayonetta 1, Bayonetta 2, and I believe all of Bayonetta's side appearances at the time. Um, put out a series of videos over the weekend that like four uh, of them, three or four, basically detailing the experience she had with platinum. And, um, what she said is, is kind of shocking to me. Uh, she said that she was only offered $4,000 for her, uh, for to reprise the role and voice act the entirety of Bayonetta three. Which is an absolute, I mean, that's just an insulting amount of money to be offered for voice acting an entire fucking game, uh, a franchise that has made, you know, over $450 million. It's just, it's insane. So she talks about that, talks about how they wrote to Hideki Kamiya. Nothing happened. Um, and then she basically suggested that fans boycott the game and donate their money that they would have spent on it. Um to charity. Um, but what was, and that's all. So I, I, I don't mind that. I, I mean, honestly, I don't, uh, I think it's awful that that's the, the offer. I think that there needs to be, uh, you know, a better payment for voice actors since they are basically the heart of, uh, you know, a character, especially a video game character that speaks. Um, and I don't mind her calling out, you know, uh, the, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, saying, you know, suggesting that fans, you know, who are upset boycott it. I mean, that's 
That's what it is. Uh, but what drove me nuts, and I cannot find the exact quote now for whatever freaking reason, is um, she said that um, the new actress, Jennifer, the voice actress Jennifer Hale, uh, has no claim to Bayonetta. Okay, so she's taking her claim as like Bayonetta. Yeah, a, she's not Bayonetta, actress, basically. Voice actress in the first two. Got it. So. Okay, yeah, so she's attacking the replacement. Right, so I think that's pretty shitty. This is not a strike. This is not a scab crossing a line. This is someone taking a job that someone else didn't take. They're probably put both in SAG after, I'm guess. I'm guessing. And um, I don't know that that exists for this. For voice? I think it absolutely does. Okay. Um, I, I just I think that was a really... I, I'm a, I, I understand she's upset, and I get it. And this game's coming out in November, and I believe... Uh, you know, and she obviously held on to the story until now to make an impact. And that's fine. I just don't think you need to cut down your fellow voice actors. Well, no, I, I think that's bullshit. I think I um, think voice actors in general should be fighting for more money. Uh, I definitely think they deserve more money, way more money than four thousand. Like I said, my I absolutely agree that that's an insulting amount of money. But taking a swipe at another okay. another voice actor drives. I mean, so, that's no good. So yeah, if they're a part of SAG-AFTRA, their their rates are actually I'm looking at their rates are online. They're public mm -hmm. for what voice acting rates are. So if they're established uh, union rates for this, I don't know how far you can do with renegotiating with Nintendo. I have no idea how that works. No clue how that works. If Nintendo offered the rate and that's what the the, the going rate was for 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 SAG, I have no idea how that works. I'm, I'm not an expert at that. Maybe someone could talk about that, but. To go after someone else like that, she's not um, a nice person either. I mean, no. I, from she, what, I, well, she's like I mean, she's made racist and homophobic and transphobic and, tweets, and before. that's what and that's what I want to get at. I think she might be using this as an excuse versus they might have wanted her gone anyway, and maybe this wasn't sure. the way out for yes. her. Um, um, be, because uh, Platinum Games, uh, let's see, said their 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 um their quote was what was their quote. Um, that there was like overarching circumstances, uh, various overlapping circumstances. That's what Platinum Games told Game Informer. Informer was due to various overlapping circumstances that made it difficult for Taylor to to play Bayonetta once again. So when you have someone that puts out four Twitter videos about this, brings up the Bible as well, yes, yeah. And this this sounds like that they might have this might have been a potentially a difficult person to work with. Well, I'm someone, just yeah, right. And someone uh, says here in the, uh, not to put too much, you know, uh, um, credence, uh, credence on a, uh, like a, a comment here, but, um, in the Kotaku article, the, this commenter says, you know, uh, they make some good points. Helene Taylor has a history of racist, homophobic, and transphobic behavior on social media Two, This is the more important one. Japanese corporations have a saving face culture surrounding firings. And in lieu of directly firing a problematic employee, they will instead offer a pittance or make working conditions unpleasant to compel the employee to quit. And as much as it seems silly to bring up a cartoon, they actually kind of touch on that in the Agretzko cartoons. It's a little Sanrio character. It's okay. like a red panda where, where the whole thing takes place in an office. And there's an entire overarching story arc where they don't want to keep the uh the 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 the, the, the office manager so they give him a shitty job and they move him to a bad that's, office that's and milton they cut and, his, and they cut down his pay milton in office space they yeah. put him in the basement oh, yeah. they right. don't give him his check so yeah it could be that's a, i don't want to dogpile I, my situation here is I, I don't want i don't want this to get lost in the in 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 the 
the conversation. I genuinely think 4,000 is an amazingly insulting offer for something. Maybe that was made in this regards. Either way, no voice actor. I, I mean, just fire the person. No uh, voice actor uh, desires. Or no okay. voice actor should be paid only that. However, there's probably more to this. I'm just saying, I'm looking at uh, globalvoiceacademy.com and their SAG after rates there. They have set rates for sessions, sure. for hourly, for cable. It's I'd look into this. This might have been something where they just maybe they could have offered them more and said, well, these are the hourly rates and that's the rate and that's well, it. Well, that's that's what that's I think it. it is. Either way, they, they, they need to make they more pro- money. They might they might have they might have said this is we're paying you the the, the floor. We're going to give you the floor right. that's acceptable technically versus obviously I guess you can Offering negotiate you more. more. Yes. Yeah. So, so um. Yeah, for example, New Media Interactive day performer rate one voice one hour is four hundred and four dollars an hour. So maybe this was a ten hour session, and they said we're going to give you four thousand dollars. Maybe that's how they did it. I don't know, but that's like literally on the site I'm looking at right. And that here. doesn't change that it's awful. I mean, I'm just saying. Well, that. sure, but it's a union thing. Like the union negotiates, but, I guess, that floor, and that's the fl- floor of it. I guess um, I don't know much about this. There's market rates as well. Looking at market rates, and obviously, if it's a market rate, that means that's not a union thing, and that's a, that's an individual that can probably negotiate their own thing. But I'm just looking at what what these consist of on the site. But they're out there. You can look them up. Okay. Anyway. Anyways, shitty offer. She never should have taken a swipe at her. Uh, she broke an NDA too. Actor. She said. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to judge a person morally uh, on the NDA. I'll, I'll judge well, them on taking well, shots at their fellow actors. I'm not going to judge her, but her breaking the NDA oh, means sure. she may not be hired for high-profile things. Oh, that's her this. fucking problem. I'm just saying, like, yeah. she does not come out well in this. She could have handled this differently. Yes. And the fact that she waited a, a month before the game comes out, instead of doing this several months before when this stuff was probably recorded, that's also weird. You know what I mean? You want to... Because I don't think people are going to be boycotting this game. I just don't. No, I don't think so either. Um, don't boycott UltimateNintendo.com. Don't. Don't, it, don't do it. You know, there, there's good stuff there at a reasonable rate. You got RBI baseball stickers. I almost sold out of them in Portland. Uh, you got the, uh, the CU Podcast pins, enamels. We got the t-shirts, the limited shirt. Blowing them out at 10 bucks if you're a size small. And we got the certain NES <laughs> Super Nintendo guidebooks at UltimateNintendo.com. I'll be back on... On Twitch Wednesday for Shocktober continues. Shocktober month continues on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash country code. Ian will not be there watching commercials with us and having a ball. It is unlikely. Konami wants to get into Web 3. Thank you, Konami. Of course they do. Thank you, Konami, for uh, wanting to explore the metaverse. They're looking for experts to build its Web 3 and metaverse projects, according to PC Gamer article from Joshua Wolins. Um, this really can seems you pick like worse timing. No, but this is uh, perfectly Konami. I think very Konami. Um, well, Sega's doing it as well. I don't have that down, but Sega's doing the same exact thing. They're looking to get into this shit. Sega was looking to get into it last year. That's older news. Oh, yeah. okay. I thought. They, oh, oh no, they're releasing their first Web three game. Okay. That's right. Yeah, I they, they mentioned they were doing that last year. Um, yeah, and so this coincides with uh, Konami also announcing that. They are going to update us on what's going on with Silent Hill tomorrow. Uh, oh, okay. And people are very, very worried that it's going to Blockchain be a game? Silent Hill <laughs> NFT game. Yeah, I mean that's that's. Oh boy. So I'm sorry. Uh, uh, on the eighth of this month, Sega officially announced their first blockchain game. It's going to be featured. Uh, oh, okay. In the Seng- Sengokushi Taizen series. Not familiar with that series. 
action pack strategy trading card game. There you go. Popular in Japan. So that's going to be their first web three blockchain game. All right. All right. Konami. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what this looks like. I just don't. Are you optimistic about? No. Okay. Maybe maybe a Metal Gear NFT game they'll bring back. I am not. I am not looking forward to this at all. It's funny that it seems that I'm not saying they're desperate companies, Konami and Sega, but like you, you see these companies that are just grasping at these things. Um, like I can never picture Nintendo wanting to get into NFTs. It's just like, why would you rock the boat? Well, at next all? week I'm sure we'll be talking uh, about Nintendo getting into NFTs now. <laughs> okay, but you don't want to. You want to stay away from something that is going to be a disaster. There already is a, a, a disaster uh, there. Um, let's talk about this unboxing of this. Speaking of Nintendo. Um, vintage Nintendo unboxing ends in tragedy. This is Kotaku article from Luke Plunkett. Um, so, oh, this is an old. This is August twenty third. Oh, this, this is August twenty yeah, third. This, this is old. All right, I'll bring it up real quick. Yeah. We didn't talk about it. Someone on Twitter mentioned it. I read this, but um, yeah, I didn't think of it. Eric uh, Voskul, who runs the wonderful Before Mario, and they wrote the book. That's right. Oh, the book. That's right. Um, they collect all the Nintendo merchandise and games and toy stuff that came out, you know, prior to the eighties. Uh, bought. Sealed, sealed playing cards. Nintendo Souvenir Kyoto playing cards from the fifties. Uh, looks like, and so they got two, not just one but two sealed packs of these, and decided to open them, and it ended in disaster. Yep, because dude, I guess the ink on these playing cards and the, the fact that the cards are not glossy. No, this was um, pre-coded playing cards. So after all the years and heat and humidity and they whatever else, into a solid block, solid together. So it just shows you how weird when you collect something sealed, you are trusting that the contents are in usable shape, or it's you a, don't it's care. A, it's a it's a Schrodinger's contents. There you go. They, <laughs> you don't know. So sealed, this would have remained worth probably a lot more money. But now you open it up, you have a box, but then you have a useless pack of cards inside. Yep, useless. And this person, this is where I, I find fault with this. They did it for both. So after the first one, I would I would have been personally scared to open the second one for being in the same. I chip. thought they said they didn't open the second one. Oh, uh, uh, clearly, they, I thought they. Said I, they I thought did it was not. both. No, no, they no. had a second one, and I thought they decided not to. Checking the second pack, Vasculi found the cards had suffered a similar fate. Oh, jeez. Second, third, or last paragraph. Yes. So they tried again. So I would have kept the second one sealed. Person be like, I'm not gonna. Yep. I'm not going to trust uh, that this is good. So, yeah, it, it's just interesting because you really it shows that you don't care about the contents when you collect seal stuff. Obviously, it's just right. The, the the veneer, the veneer of it. They look cute. The little box. Yeah, they you did. find something like this. That's playing cards laying around. Some some collector had them laying around or some store had new old stock playing cards. I never collect. I don't have any really Nintendo stuff that is not um, video game related. I don't. The love tester thing always seems interesting. When that comes sure. up for sale. Yeah, that's always kind of cool looking. They, have, they had lots of toys. They had a Disney Disneyland board game. They had a museum of that. I think the last PRG they had it there. They had like all the Nintendo stuff. Oh, yeah. Video game stuff. When they did the Nintendo Museum, I think they had that. Yeah, sure. Um, so while we were at, what happened on Sunday while we were at uh, PRG? You're on your phone, Ian. You're on your phone and you saw Twitter. Yeah, I was on my phone and I just like I was looking at it right at the time that the tweet came out and I saw our friend Gerard tweet, hey, this is how I found out I lost my job. How neat. So I clicked on it to see what was above it and 
G4 TV shuts down just a year after its relaunch. Wario 64 got the document. Dead, uh, this is from it Deadline. A, it was an internal it document. Memo. Yep. Memo, yep. And uh, here we go. Here's Scott's full memo, which Deadline obtained from a source. Team, as you know, G4 was reintroduced last year to tap into the popularity of gaming. <clears throat> we invested to create the new G4 as an online and TV destination for fans. To be entertained, be inspired, and connect with gaming content. Over the past several months, we worked hard to generate that interest in G4, but viewership is low and the network has not achieved sustainable financial results. This is certainly not what we hoped for, and as a result, we have made the very difficult decision to discontinue G4's operations effective immediately. I know this is disappointing news, and I'm disappointed too. I want to thank everyone. I want to thank you and everyone on the G4 team for the hard work and commitment to the network. Our human resources team is reaching out to you to provide with, provide you with support. Not quick enough, apparently. Uh, discuss other opportunities that may be available and answer any questions you may have. Thank you again for all of your hard work for G4. Sincerely, Dave Scott, Chairman and CEO, Comcast okay. Spectacor. Okay. This comes obviously on the heels of them uh, laying off like 30 to 40 people about a month ago. Yeah. Five weeks ago well, is somewhere time in September that that happened. And then this happens. So obviously the writing was on the wall. Then we talked about it, that w- w- this was going to end at some point, but who knows? Um, so obviously G4 was backed by Comcast, huge company. Mm-hmm. They had money to throw at this. Yes. To just do this. This um, exists on YouTube, but uh, in terms of the YouTube uh, views does not justify all, obviously the amount of people and the production costs. You're never going to make your money back. You're never going to break even. We know that it's a cable play, right? Here's the issue. This I did not bring this up before, um, but obviously the, the cable TV ratings were abysmal because who's going to watch this? There's a reason they canceled G4 in the first place 10, 11 years ago because no one was watching anymore. Yeah. Because the changing landscape right. of, of media being on YouTube, game trailers, and other sites where you can get your news instantaneously. You don't have to wait till the end of the day to watch Olivia Munn talk about something. You get the stuff, the news, when it happens. Um, so um, there's, there is a ratings website. G, uh, called uh, USTVDB.com. This is getting, getting picked up. I looked at this a week or two ago because I was curious. Uh, G4, according to this, is the 130th most popular channel on TV. Um, the, the rating is 0.0003% rating, and they average 1,000 viewers a day on, on cable TV according to this website and, and now other sources are picking this up a thousand viewers that's not sustainable that's uh, that's abysmal a thousand viewers on television that's uh, that's insane so what pr- likely happened was like it's shocking it lasted this long um it, it was probably like advertisers so so obviously tv you need advertisers to fund your channel that's how it works Comcast ha- can back this. They can throw money after this to try to, to, try to do it um, and get advertisers. So they probably sold advertising, not directly for the channel itself, probably part of a suite. Hey, come in on Comcast. You're going to get all, you know what I mean? All these different channels and we'll throw you on G4. That probably became less and less sustainable in my eyes where it's like, yeah. if I'm an advertiser and you say, hey, we're going to put 10% of your ads on G4. I'll be like, well, no one's watching them. I don't want any of my Right, don't put any of them I don't want, on there. Please. I'm not saying that's how this happens, but likely that's probably what happens with this. Because if, if you're telling me that someone came to an advertiser and sold G4 advertising directly at 1,000 viewers, I'd say you'd be lying to me. Because why would I do this? 1,000 people, and you're going to be charging me whatever it costs per spot? No, that's multiple absolutely thousands insane. Of dollars. That, that's nuts. <laughs> 
So, so it's it's not shocking, but obviously this was not handled well. And from my perspective, why would you like get rid of a bunch of people then shut the whole thing down three weeks later? You might as well shut it down a month ago. Like, why wait? Yeah, why? And I, uh, I feel bad. Why give the people who weren't laid off any sort of hope that things were going to turn around? Yeah, because because usually when a company does a big layoff, you know, okay, things are not good obviously right but you're going to be around for a little bit before the next wave of layoffs not sure. like hey we're going to have a very stressful situation lay off whatever percentage it was a third half i don't know next month we're just going to shut it all down now that's just nuts um it goes back to stuff like the google uh, state announcement where like the, the the communication isn't well thought out up above you know it's coming you look at the numbers months in advance you know it's not in good shape you know you're not making money to sustain it what are you doing what are you doing um yeah so i feel bad uh for obviously the people that that don't have jobs anymore i feel bad for gerard um you know i know he behind the scenes was trying to help right the ship and do as much as, as he can but it's kind of tough when you get dealt a bad head to begin with right or something like this it, yeah it, i know. feel i feel bad for everyone who lost the job but it, it uh... This was, I feel like, a doomed venture from the start. Yes. Um, this, this I can probably say with comments, this would be the last attempt at doing a gaming-centric uh, channel on TV. Yep. Like, the, you, you will not see this attempted again. Nope. Especially after this. this. If this lasted, what, barely a year? Was it even a full year? When did it launch? When did the relaunch happen? Was it November or October last year? Um, I, one of the things I'll say about this is that um, you have to have when you do or doing this stuff. You have to have a clear, clear uh, vision about what you want your what like what is your channel supposed to be doing? Sure. Like, what is the vision of this channel? What are we doing that cannot be done already on other media? Especially since you know the, YouTube and and uh, Twitch has taken over and online. Uh, you know, even E three. You want to even put E three in there? Like, what can we do that they can't? And for my limited time watching G4, it, they were doing content that you would have saw there 12, 15 years ago. Right. Comedic skits. They still have girls bouncing around in bikinis and boobs. So that was all bullshit about, hey, we're not here for this. Well, they were still doing that same content and the same Maxim style content. Probably so like, like uh, they realized immediately we, that that yeah. that's what drew back then. We'll try again. So like, th- what are you doing that is unique at this point? Because if the audience, again, left... 10 12 years ago why would they be back now for the same style of content right it, it, no one was clamoring for it to come back i never watched g4 originally i'm not saying it was bad content i personally never watched it and i was their sort of their audience to watch it frank would tune in to watch i tell you, yeah, you frank would tune in to watch it hilarious i mean you know probably like Livia munn that's probably part of it but like he tuned in to watch a gaming uh news which is strange maybe he wanted to see what's going on with the kids i don't know but we're talking again like 10 12 years ago right so, yeah. So you feel bad about it. Um, I'm trying to say, when did it come back? Was it even a full year? I'm just kind of curious. Uh, it was 11 months ago. It was November 16th. So it didn't even last a full year. I got there. Uh, they did. I mean, they did some. I mean, they, they had the uh, uh, what is it? A God of Work series. I, I, that was uh, that was entertaining. Yep. Gerard uh, was Kratos, like it's sort of like a you know off the Office sort of thing, but your parody thing. That was interesting. But uh, other than that, I just uh, you know. Yeah, it's not it's not a surprise. No, not, not at, at all. all. Uh, and then there's some ha- shenanigans that were happening with Rooster Teeth. I don't know much about what's been going on with Rooster Teeth. It sounds awesome. Um, I was just kind of alerted to this yesterday. It sounds awful. I said, not awesome. It sounds awesome. Jesus, sounds <laughs> awful. Um, 
I was just alerted to this yesterday, but apparently Rooster Teeth is not a fantastic place to work, and all of this has been coming out. Uh, Caden Jensen, who worked at Rooster Teeth from 2013 until leaving earlier this year, published a 2,257-word blog post Saturday detailing her experiences at the company. Um, basically, it was not you know as inclusive and uh, you know accepting as uh, she thought it would be. Um, when they started working there, every day they were called the F word. Uh, and then when they became trans, the, uh, when they, when they, you know, transitioned, things got worse. Um, you know, the acting manager began to harass her and lie to the community anytime I was planned to be on camera and couldn't show up. Um, you know, and the way I was treated did not change at all and became actively worse. Uh, they, uh, she has still not been paid for voiceover work from the company. So it sounds like an absolute mess. And, you know, her, 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 she concludes the post with handful of good people, bad company. Um, so yeah, I, video game industry seems like a fucking awful place to work. Yeah. Whether you're a dev and you're at a big company and you're getting shit on and harassed or, you are being mistreated by rooster teeth or you you're you know you, you go back and you try to do a good thing with this like video game tv channel and they just revert back to all of their old tricks i don't know it's it sounds like shit it sounds it sounds and the indie game community isn't free of it either there's always stories coming out about that too it just sounds like a nightmare place to work and i respect well, all of my peers that work in it because i mean i don't know that i could do it aren't i mean it's a microcosm just of how uh, well, not all companies, but a chunk of companies are not run well because the people in it are assholes or they're shit. And that's it's just a microcosm for life. Why? Would, I think we have a weird expectation of the stuff we like being run by better people in general. Like, um, oh, oh, this game company that we like their games. So the company must be run very well. No, like, no, not necessarily. Not necessarily. There's not like there's no reason to be run better than a company that makes mugs or T-shirts. It's the same. People are the same across industries. We the same uh, petty motivations, the same petty desires, the same backstabbing uh, that goes on at, uh, in corporate world. It's the same. It's the same. It doesn't matter. We have to grow up and realize that in general. That hey. This is a great company. Uh, they, they make great products. They can still be bad actors working at the company. We have to stop yeah. idolizing uh, the, the, the business. Yes. We have to stop. Yes. It's full of parasocial relationships and idolized companies that, you know, it, it's, it's ridiculous. People take out their, their um, personal issues on fellow employees. It's the same thing like anything else. Like any, like any other. Like if you worked in an office, you would know what I'm talking about. So we need to bring this up before we end. I was just looking at Twitter to see if anything had come up. It oh, has. Uh, Bloomberg. Platinum Games attempted to rehire Helena Taylor as Bayonetta, paying between 3 to 4K per session. Oh, per session? Five sessions and not for the whole game, which is what she was alluding to. So they, okay. Taylor so then asked for a six-figure sum and residuals, which Platinum Games declined. So, okay. So Taylor so, sticks to her version, but that's what Platinum Games is saying. So Platinum uh, Games offer a lot more, and she's saying, so So someone's lying, it sounds like. Someone's lying. Yep. The, the, the residuals things, that's not going to happen with a game like that. To be like We talked about that before. That That's a whole other thing. But they offer a lot more than what she said, at least five times more. Okay. 
And then, so her response was, in an email, Taylor described this account as an absolute lie and said Platinum oh. was trying to save their ass and the game. She said she stood by everything she said in the video. I would like to put this whole bloody flan franchise behind me and quite, quite frankly, get on with my life in the theater, she wrote. Representatives for Platinum Games and Nintendo didn't respond to requests for comment. Hideki uh -oh. Kamiya, the executive director of Bayonetta 3, called uh, Taylor's allegations sad and deplorable in a Twitter post. So there's a truth somewhere in here and we don't know it. And that's where I'm going. I, I just, wow. I'll leave it at that. Okay. All right. Interesting. You've probably heard of Raycon from their collaborations with creators across the digital world. In the five years since their launch, their headphones have become known for a few things. All-day comfort, a perfect fit, an impressive battery life, and of course, premium sound at affordable prices. That's why I'm excited to share that a new player has entered the game, Raycon's Gaming Series. The Gaming Series consists of two staple gaming audio products. Wireless gaming earbuds, they're compact, they're portable and universal, and wireless gaming headphones, they're comfortable and immersive. Hypersync low latency technology lets you hear what you see lag free, so there's no delay between what you're hearing and what you're seeing on screen. Haptic vibration enhances your immersion with sound you can actually feel. There's three sound profiles. You can do a pure, balanced, or bass kind of loadout for how you want your EQ to sound. And the optimized gaming mic focuses on your voice and blocks out noise. And you can seamlessly pair it with all major platforms with just the click of a button. And of course, because no gamer is just a gamer, Raycon's gaming series is just as good for music, podcasts, and crystal clear phone calls. I think the honeycomb mesh cushions are comfortable on my ears. I like that. And it has a long battery life, 25 hours. And I like the HD microphone that retracts when you don't need it. It's not as fragile. It's not going to snap off. There's no microphone to lose. So stay on the winning team and go to buyraycon.com slash CU podcast today to get 15% off your Raycon order. You'll also get $20 off Raycon's gaming earbuds or $10 off their gaming headphones. That's buyraycon.com slash CU podcast to score 15% off. And there's even more savings on the site. Plus, this October, Raycon's got special pricing up to $20 off. Do not miss out. That's buyraycon.com slash CU podcast. Uh, Ian. Yeah. At PRGE, we had a panel. Thanks to everyone that came out. We did. And we discussed what we like to discuss in the podcast, fresh new gaming console slash platform ideas. And we discussed the Udo That's right. mobile gaming app platform. So here we are to talk about it. Um, I was going to wear a special shirt today, but I ordered it. And unfortunately, it's a small and I can kind of squeeze in a small, but I don't want like a, a Hoboken bouncer at a bar. <laughs> Why did you buy a small? I did. I got a large. I shipped me the wrong one, unfortunately. So it's know. the Tommy Tallarico tweet against me. Uh, <laughs> I can't read it, you know, if you want to read it. Do you want to read it? I mean, I guess I can do that for you. Uh, yep, nothing but a jealous lying fraud who anointed himself the gatekeeper of retro. Uh, parentheses, yet knows little before the NES, and parentheses. Uh, he has a horrible reputation in the community at this point. When Amico is a success, he'll be the colleague... This is longer than a normal tweet. This is a joke. Uh, he'll be the Coleco Chameleon of retro YouTubers. Looking forward to it. All right. Let's give it up for Tommy. All that came to pass. All that came through. Uh, I, sh I should probably sell these for charity. I only have the one right now. So we're going to be talking about, speaking of the Amico Yu, there is a Kickstarter coming out, or it's actually out, called the Udu. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's yes. a... 
mobile-based platform, a full console, and a handheld device. And it's interesting. And before you all jump off the ledge, I don't hate this idea. I do not think it's a terrible idea. It's just whether or not I think this is going to be successful. I like it less. Okay. So how does it work? We can watch the Kickstarter uh, video. I have it ready to go. Oh, we'll, we'll play the Kickstarter here. You can get a feel for it. Okay. Cheesy, very cheesy video, but it got the basics. So this is a gaming platform that's subscription-based. You're going to get a suite of games. A suite. A suite of games um, with this. So you have a lot of things going on here. You have augmented reality stuff where you're walking around or like in your house. There's like a tracking thing to find ghosts or whatever they were doing. There's motion things, two players like baseball. Um, the controller. You have water resistancy. Uh, what's that? Water resistancy. They yeah, make sure you know you don't drop in a puddle. Yeah. Uh, looking at the controller, you have LED lights in the top. We've seen that before somewhere. You have a display that's small and just to like this is like a you know an RPG game showing you stuff on there. Uh, you have a, a little D-pad, trackpad, HD haptics. It'll probably do different sorts of, of uh, what are you looking like that for? Because I don't like it. Some sort of uh, <laughs> sensory feedback. And then on the back of it, where's the back? There is a squeeze and a trigger on the squeeze back. Squeeze So there's like a, a, a trigger for your finger and there's a squeezing. So you get like, looks like six buttons and you get motion on this. Um, there, there it is. There's the back here. And you have a charger like the old like Wii controllers and stuff like that, motion sensors. Okay, so this is going to cost on the Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. This is going to cost. They already, uh, they already uh, reached their goal, I think. Here's the good news about this for Ian tears it apart. This is on Kickstarter, which means sure. they have working a working prototype. You're not allowed to do this stuff on Kickstarter unless it's a working prototype. That's the good news about this. Um, so this is going to cost, let's see, that's the friends pack. A euro is actually worth less than a dollar right now, slightly. But this is going to cost 100, uh, let's see, early bird, $140. You get a Uta console, and you get uh, 12 months of the subscription free there for 140 the first year. Uh, then it's usually going to be $200, uh, which I guess would include probably a free subscription for the first year. So that's what we're looking at here. So for 140 bucks, you get, you get the, the console, which is the controller, really. Um, it's, it's going to be probably, a, I'm guessing, a mobile app that you install. Um, and then you're going to get the charging cable, the wrist wrap, and 12 free months free for the games. Okay, I know where you want to go with this. This is nicer. Than, this is what the Amico probably should have been. Yes, because we're talking about immersive interaction. You actually see people interacting in a couple of games, like sure. playing a two-player game outside. When J.K. Simmons is playing baseball with his yeah. friends. Yeah, <laughs> or they're like walking around together, like friends walking around together, experiencing something with AR, like Pokemon Go. Right? You walk around, you can experience stuff together. Um, so that's the, the you know what I like about this. There's only though two games announced right now, which gives me a slight pause. This is supposed to this is supposed to uh, launch in April. So like this is going to go into production probably by end of the year, early next year. Right. Yeah. So like that's 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 the thing where it's like what? How many games are finished? We saw a handful, five or six. Uh, but here's the ones that they're touting here: uh, Quest of Aoki. Your first big adventure starts with Quest of Aoki, where you access the parallel universe of Aether. Uh, is that one of the Infinity things in, in uh, Infinity Stones? A place on the edge of collapse. Okay, whatever. So you walk around probably outside. You see enemies with AR. And you bonk it. You bonk them with your sword. You get little power-ups. It's probably going to be a deep experience. It's probably going to be something like playing like Ring Fit, you know, like something that simple. But you're going to swipe and do things and combos maybe. I don't know. Get potions. And then you get – so that's – all right. 
That's fine. And you get juice box, which I think it's a cute little dancing rhythm thing where you wave your arm as, as they drop the notes. You go and you and make the juice. You make the juice. It's, a, it's cute. It's a rhythm game. So the issue I have is that there's only these two games being shown. Uh, I'm going to lower this a little bit. So it's just a simple little reaction game. Maybe kids would do this outside. I don't know if there's a two-player mode. At least you're getting some fresh air. Uh, there's someone playing basketball in the background there. Uh, I, I, there there's somewhere in Scandinavia. Right now, it looks like. All right. That's great. <laughs> it's a simple game. Here's, here's a very simple game. Here's the issue. We don't know how many games and what the quality of these games are going to be to sustain something like this. Like, once this launches, they say they have partners. But like, mm-hmm. like who are they I've, I've heard, with? I've heard of um, people with partnerships before. Twelve months is usually ten dollars a month. So if you look at other things like Apple Arcade, what five dollars a month? Five dollars. This this is more than that, and that's what kind of scares me because the Apple Arcade stuff is highly curated. It's Apple throwing money though around. Um, this is double what Apple Arcade is, but these are all just for obviously this platform for the Udu platform. Yeah, I mean, I, so here's here's where I see problems coming in. One. I don't think you're going to convince enough developers to make games for this platform, and I think it's going to be harder for them to do that even than, say, something like the Amico. It's going to be, one, such a closed system, and two, two, if they're using the uh, motion controls, it's likely going to be harder to port the games elsewhere, so it's a double risk for them. They spend the time yeah. on developing these games and no one buys them, uh, they can't really take that work elsewhere, whereas... Astro Smash could conceivably be on uh, anything. No, it couldn't be. No, absolutely. No, no, it be on the <laughs> you have to. You, you gotta have to use yeah. the Amico controller. Uh, um, so that's the thing. Is like these are all games where you have to look at your phone, like that's your screen or the tablet for the ghost thing. It's too much. And then swing. For, I don't think it's too much. The, the issue is that you'll need this platform because you can't swing a phone and look at the phone. Like you need the phone and the. You know what I mean? So they couldn't be ported to Apple Arcade. Doing some interpretive dance. <laughs> Swinging. I'm, I'm making juice. They're making, uh, making the juice. But you see, like, there's, like, a pitching game here. There's, there's the juice game. There's the ghost. The ghost thing actually looks interesting because they're in a house looking around. And there's a yeah, but, I mean, thing. that's all that's all uh, wishes and hopes and dreams. Um, I'm just saying, in theory, if it works, that could be a fun little activity. You're in the house. with You're seven years old. You want to find a ghost. That's what I'm talking about here. Sure. And then the goal is to play shark. shark. What up, man? Amico's just ruined your 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 outlook on this stuff. Uh, a goal. It's, it's gimmicky. It's gimmicky. It's way too closed of an environment. Uh, the game looked like well, it has garbage. To be, it has garbage. To be closed. That's a garbage. That's an Amico quality game, Patrick. But if it's closed, then it's actually these are exclusive games. Like that, you gotta get that. These are actually exclusive. I'm oh, just no saying one cares. they're exclusive. I'm just saying these are actually exclusive games. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna there won't be any physical products for this. Um, the goal is to put 100 games on. So here's the thing. Uh, I have an issue with, with the price after the first year. Um, spend 140 bucks the first year, you get how many games? If it's like 20 games, okay. I have an issue then with it paying $10 for it after that. That's, that's my concern about this. How many more games would come out? If this is a moderate, even moderate success, how do you justify that every month unless these are like games coming out like two or three a month like that regularly because they're not going to be very obviously intense games most of these they're not going to be like you know they're going to be mobile depth games where mobile in terms of simple right that's what i mean so they're going to be bad 
Um, that doesn't really mean bad. Like little RPG that no no game, games that people are making for this are going to be bad. Okay, I'm willing to give it a fair shake until we see more of the games. But that's uh, this is what I also like about it. I'm not sure if I have a video of this. These are all like this company is filled with young blood. I don't, and it's not an ageism thing, but for technology, you need young people driving a lot of these companies to have fresh new ideas at least. Because if you have stagnant old ideas, technology just passes people by, as we've seen. With another concept, where it's like you need fresh infusion of ideas, and that's what I liked about looking at the background of some of these people. Like these are not older people getting into this. So not saying this would be a success, but at least they're coming from an area of new thought, and not we're not thinking it's 1981 anymore. Um, I think honestly, oddly, I think this is something that could maybe do better with. Uh, <clears throat> partnerships. Oh, um, what was this? It was the handshake. Oh, okay. It's partnership. <laughs> uh, if you made it look a little bit cuter and attached it to something like Pokemon Go. What do you mean cuter? Like, like make the colors different? A smaller, less of a digital corn cob. Smaller? It's, it's, a, it's palm size. Like well, I'm a smaller. You need the squeeze and the trigger. You need the squeeze and the like trigger. A big, that's a soup carrot. A soup carrot? A soup carrot. Who knows in the audience what a soup carrot is? No one does. I made it up right now. It's oh, it's like five people know what a soup carrot is. Well, I mean, it's the right size for soup. Yeah. Okay, you fall into yeah. What? Someone said horse carrot. Okay, I lost it. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, who here has... Does anyone have kids out here that are into, like, anything AR apps? You know, augmented reality apps? Yeah. They, they go outside and like look at the stuff, or honestly, he plays Pokemon Go a crapload, so he might actually enjoy something. He like might, this, but I have to agree with Ian that I don't necessarily think that any of these games are really going to be something that will grab his interest. Yeah, that's the that's the issue. There's we don't see enough of anything in this yeah. vi- in this video. So like there were Dragon Quest like uh, games that they made for the Wii where you used the remote as like a sword. If you did a partnership like that, people might think it was more exciting. If you if you partnered with Pokemon Go, but I think at the end of the day, people are going to look at it as an unnecessary accessory and go back to playing the stuff the, the simpler way. Yeah, here's the problem. It says just like Apple Arcade, we aim we aim to get a hundred plus games to the Wii. Yeah, games aim, sure. over the coming years. So if, say if it launches with only 10 or 12, is that going to sustain them to get to year two and three if you blow through all the games in like a couple of months with your kids? Well, if they keep providing experiences like Juice Box, maybe. I'm, I'm bullish on Juice Box. Why are you bullish on Juice Box? Who play Juice Box with their kid? Come on. I got three people. Oh, come on. That's not appropriate here. Keep it clean. Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm, 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 I saw a picture of someone next to an active volcano with the uh, Yudu. You think you could scroll back up to the... What? There was an active volcano with Udu? You're not, you're not trolling me, right? Was it here? Yeah. I do like that you're seeing kids promote What this. the shit? <laughs> oh, there was. Oh, my God. I just missed it, Pat. I just missed it. Pay attention. Was that, was that there actually wait. there or augmented reality? You can't miss it, Pat. Just wait. Oh, let's see. They're outside. They're... Okay. Okay. That's a weird one. Uh, you don't want to get toxic fumes. They should put a disclaimer. Don't use Udu next to active volcanic activity. That would not be Garden Okay Playground, uh, not the volcano. Okay. I, I want to throw this out there too. Uh, they're really pushing the outdoor focus. Oh, most people won't. Here. Most people will not play VR unless they're completely alone because it's an embarrassing, weird scenario to be watching. It's, 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 it's AR, not VR. Yeah, well, I know this looks. It still looks ridiculous. 
People play Pokemon Absolutely Go. Absolutely ridiculous. They look, yes, they look but they're not swinging shit around, man. They're like, it looks like they're texting. Okay. People are pretty self-aware if they're looking like an idiot playing Pokemon Go, and a lot of them just don't. Well, would a six-year-old sure. six care to look playing baseball? Would they care? Six-year-olds? Would they get teased by their friends? I wonder if they got Yeah, in. right? They, did they get... Here's the question. They're going to kick a ball around the field. They're going to get the dirty. They're going to eat worms. Did they get into mysterious uh, mysterious taxpayer grant money to do this in Europe, like a certain other console? That's what I don't want to know. That's the million-dollar question. Did they get some grant money to uh, get this done? I actually think Udu nailed it here. Yeah, I have no Mr. idea who he is. Brandon Imagelene at... Is that co-op or coop? Let's go with coop. It's like, like a chicken. <clears throat> it's like Pokemon Go on steroids. A cool combination of digital and physical play. Well, it is physical. You're walking around. You're walking that around. man pissed out that statement in 20 seconds without thinking. <laughs> that's why we get to have the adult uh, advisor on this panel. If, if, yeah, well, that's fine. Right. I'm going to make use of it. Parental advisory is... Uh, uh, yeah, if, I really, if you say something is like something on steroids, you have thought no time about it. Here's the problem. This is a... This is a gaming app at its heart with the controller that comes with it. Um, yes. You have to push the games to the forefront. We, we saw only two demos on here, the Quest game and then my favorite juice box. Like you have to show the lightsaber game. You have to show more of that. I think the ghost game actually is really interesting. If it's, you're walking around a house, you have to track it down like some kind of Halloween like it's, it's October. The ghost it's shot times. Uh, but it looks like there's only icons for about 12 games here. If you look, there's a magic one. What is that? Is it shopping? It's a boxel sort of game, like a box. Like there's a juice box. I'm right aware there. of another system that someday we're going to launch with a lot of games. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. You talking about the Wii U? You talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yep. But didn't the ghost game not show the controller being used? It didn't. He was holding a tablet. Yeah. So but they're holding. Well, you get you get the app. You only get, it's exclusive. You got to get on the plan. I have. I, I can. I can take you to Luna Video Games and show two you locations. the free two locations and show you the free bin where you can find all sorts of other games that had an unnecessary app attached to them. Oh, or, yeah. or a controller. Yes. How about the, the Wii Rackets from two thousand? Or the or the no the the U Draw tablet that they tried oh. to do on there. The, the the balance pad. Everyone thought, oh, this little game okay. Gizmo is gonna. No, it's not. It's done. What price would this work at if this was like fifty dollars only? With the with some of the games thrown in, a dollar ninety nine with a triple stack for Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> Do they do triple stacks at Burger King? I thought Wendy's does triple stacks. Uh, I don't know Burger King. Well, they, Burger they used King to. Stack? I haven't eaten at Burger King since like two thousand and seven, so I don't know. Yeah. I got Impossible Whopper a couple years ago. It was pretty good. All right. So is that all we got on the Udu? I was I was I, I I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for those kids. They're not at least you know they're people new to the industry. It looks like so. He, he's jaded at this point. See, that's that's really the sad part. I'm not about jaded, it. but there's uh, no hook for it to me. I think there's a hook. It's, I think they're, they're priced out. It's just, it's just waggling and walking. Waggle walk. Will it be released? Well, it's there's a production schedule, and these are prototypes being used. You'd hope, <laughs> like you'd hope. Looks like it entered in some contest, award-winning design from Scandinavia. I mean, it's just a here's good news. It's just Did they a buy a table at that contest. It's a controller. They didn't put together a weird console to do it. This is going to be a lot cheaper to make than a than a game console. That's the good news. It's just an app and a controller. Like this is the avenue you want to go for something like this. 
if it does come out, Dexcom the, will put it in the plastic shell and say it's worth $100,000. I mean, maybe. Uh, gamma prototype now finalized. So there I, you go. I, I, got a, I got one question for you, though. Sure, sure. Uh, how much have you invested? $10,000? Uh, I, I have to disclose legally. $20,000? I, I might have gotten, gotten a gondola ride with the CEO. Uh, <laughs> a gondola ride? Yes. And, uh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry. I have disclosed that to the FTC right now. I'm an investor $10,000 even into the voodoo. Yeah, I'm all in on this. I'm going to become an Udu only channel uh, starting uh, in two weeks, once we hit November. You it's it's you do. You do? You do. He said it right in the video. It's you do. Like, you do it. Don't, don't, don't you, you do it, Don't Doug. you accent shame me. Yeah, that's fine. You do. Um, why would I say gondola ride? I think this is funny. Imagine, go, imagine being uh, swayed over to the side of investing by a nice gondola ride, something with a big long stick. Or sway? Like, like the sway button on the sway, like, like a sway. Sway, like double dragon tiger yeah, LC. Like All right, well, that's it for uh, the, the YouTube. Who here thinks this is at least an interesting product? Anyone? There's, all right, like 20, 12. Okay, bad. 12%. Those two are out. They know it's a bad, bad idea. They're like, uh, we have uh, not been sold on. They're this. using sustainable practices for the environment. So, you know, they keep pushing water repellent. Makes me realize that, like, I guess rain. They're sort of kids being. They, they the rain. really want people to be playing this outside by a riverbank. Okay. And volcano. And volcano. Yes, it is a liquid technically in some phase. Maybe you can go to uh, 800 degrees at that point. And I feel like that's dangerous, too. Like, what if they are playing it by a riverbed so they can take advantage of the water resistance and they stumble on a rock, trip, sprain their ankle, uh, Ian, bash up uh, their knees? Haven't people died playing Pokemon Go or been injured? Launch, launch the thing into the, the you know into a, a bear-infested woods, and then they go after it. Look at that wiggle. Look at that wiggle on the, on the haptic. Right, right into an active volcano. <laughs> Babies just running right after it and jumping into them volcanoes. That is, that is it's real right. action. All right. Was that a little danger to it. Is that it on the YouTube? We're back now. Um, we, had, we had a nice nice uh, back and forth. We did. Ian was more bearish on the idea than me, but we'll see, if, we'll see if there's an audience out there for this. We'll see if there's an audience, right? Yep. Ian, we have a Patreon, don't we? We do. Go to patreon.com slash podcast. And when you go there... You'll see all the little bits and bobs you can enjoy. The little extras. Bits and bobs? Bits and bobs. So, uh, you know, if you if you support us and help us out with some uh, uh, some crisp lettuce, some cheddar chips, uh, we, we, can, we can offer you uh, this stuff in return. The full uh, video podcast, mm-hmm. uh, bonus bits, uh, weekly uh, bonus bit podcasts that we record before we start the main podcast, uh, uh, more or less weekly writing. Um, Hangout sessions. Uh, there's a pin club. Okay. And these poll topics. It's, so. In second place. Is grading or reselling worse for video game collecting at 18%? Oof. Oh. Graded game collecting wow. that confronted Pat at PRGE. 82%. And just a little bonus on this. I can quickly mention my confrontation with an Amico slash Tommy Tallarico fan. Oh, you didn't bring it up in the intro. Uh, that's all right. It's I mean, okay, it's, well, it's confrontations. You can share the stage. It won't be as long as my conversation, probably. Uh, we'll, we'll save it. We'll save it till the end. I, I, I can bring... Um, yeah, I'm going to bring it up at the end. It's okay. going to be short. I'm okay. not, I have no interest in so, going through every word. So, obviously, Ian and, and, and me have made ourselves, quote-unquote, targets of the, you know, the sealed uh, speculator-slash-collector community over the years. 
Um, I've had conversations with these folks. I've been yelled at in emails by these folks. I famously or infamously was yelled at in person at PRGE 2019 by good old uh, uh, Danielle from Nostalgic Investments, the name that makes your stomach turn. I hate that name. Nostalgic Investments. She yelled at me while I was trying to set up the panel with the SoCal Retro Gaming Expo folks at the time. And before PRGE this year, it's been three years, I knew something similar was going to happen. I, I knew that I was going to be approached by at least one person to have a conversation slash argument about it. And I was. And it happened at the exact same time as when it happened last year. The Friday when I'm unboxing books and I'm tired and I'm trying to set up, I unbox over 100 books and they weigh a lot. I individually unwrap them from the bubble wraps and I sign them and I place them out. It's 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 a lot of a lot of grunt work, and it usually takes me like an hour to two hours. And I was hungry, and I was waiting to get back to the hotel for my pizza date with Norm that we talked about on the exclusive Patreon podcast, Patreon concept. Crust with a delicious bubble. Ian had already left because he didn't have this, the amount of setup as me. But they set up. You set up your stuff. You click kids' book. You set up the pins and his t-shirts. You were gone by then. Oh, that's right, because yeah. you had to wait around for something. I had to wait an hour for my books to arrive. That's right. Okay, got so it. So I'm right. setting up my books there. This is about. I want to say it's like five thirty. Mm-hmm. 540 or something on the Friday. And someone came up to me, an individual named Peter Peter, and immediately says, Hey, I just want to let you know that, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to, I wrote down my thoughts, Ian, about how the conversation went here, pretty detailed. Yeah. I remember how these conversations go for the most part. And they said, Hey, I don't think it's right that you attacked me in your video. And I looked at the person, I had no idea who they were. I'm just like, Who is this person? Who is this person that's saying I attacked them in a video? I'm usually pretty good about knowing who these people are. So this person revealed, oh, they said that I had said that in our coverage of the Mad Dog video, twisting my words and misrepresenting me that Carl did the response and then I played some of Carl's video. It it was React Inception. I, I played a clip where Carl said these people say there's investors and then Danielle is talking to this person saying, yes, th- th- this game's going to be worth a million dollars. I'll say it a hundred times. They're talking about how they want to invest in games. So he claimed that I said afterwards, I said that these people are attacking me, which I never said. But at the time when he first said that to me at the table, I'm like tired. I'm lifting books. I'm trying to think, what is he talking about? That I'm trying to remember what I said in a video that came out a month ago that we said like really quickly. So I said to him, I don't think I said that to you. That I said people should attack you. I think I said. I think I said at the time that like these are the type of people that attack me or something like that. Not 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 individually calling this person out. And I didn't individually call them out. I never said their name. No, you didn't. I didn't say go after them. I never say that. So I was I was already put on my heels because I didn't expect this person to approach me like that and to make an accusation that of something I didn't do. Sure. So this is a tactic that these people in general people will do this sometimes. Um, they will try to um, try to have gain a negative reaction out of you in order to attempt a bonding of a friendship during the conversation. And this person, this, I will say it sleazeball attempted to do this with me. Uh, try to say, Oh, you attacked me. I actually apologize. Looking back, I should, I said, I'm sorry if people came after you. Uh, looking back, I should have said, I didn't send people after you right. uh, at all. But then Ian within three minutes said, Oh, I think I should be on your podcast. Try to flip it to be like, oh, I'm going to establish this friendship. I should be on your podcast. No. 
These are what these people try to do. And these are the type of people that attack you because they have so much money at risk. So I went back and I and here's the clip of what I actually said at the time. I'm going to replay the clip from that video that we covered on September 23rd. And very wealthy people, especially those from the comic, coin, and card markets, buying games because they wanted to make money. And this isn't just a hunch. The wealthy people who do spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a game literally admit that it's to make money. This is a little different than a collectability piece. Obviously, you can collect it, um, but we bought this as an investment play. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's justified. Um, this will be over a million dollars someday. I, you heard me say it. I'll say it a hundred times over. This should have gone. Like, should have, I'm yeah. ecstatic. These are the people that attack you. These are the people that attack you, meaning <laughs> in general, you. And now specifically, both of you. That in that video at PRGE. And I don't want to say this person was not belligerent. They weren't like raising their voice too much at me, but they were condescending. They were aggressive and they really thought that I would have them on the podcast either with Ian or without to give their side of the story. So I'm going to go through. I wrote bullet points of their arguments that we're going to dissect. So really we're going to have Peter on the podcast right now. Uh, because, first of all, they are friends with both Danielle and Garth, Mad Dog Gaming. Really good people to be friends with. Uh, when I pointed out how, he, how Garth lied about me in his video and manipulate quotes, uh, I called him out on being associated with someone like that would do something that bad. And he said, oh, everyone has friends that do things others may object to. That may be true. I don't have friends, Ian, that make manipulative and lying videos because they're afraid of a bubble bursting on their investments. Right. I don't personally associate myself with people like that. They're going to be that that much of uh, go into the gutter with their activities. But, you know, if you think it's acceptable, that's fine. And like I said, it was an attempt to get me to feel bad to befriend this person. Because, oh, this person atta uh, you know, attacked me. I never attacked the person. And I pointed out, this is the funny thing about this. I said I was reacting to Carl's video. I was reacting to Carl's video. Carl really spotlighted you a lot more. Carl's video has over 800,000 views. Mine has 50,000 views in, in that sort of similar time span. Uh, Carl's the one that really made me aware of, of what, you, what you said in this video, uh, Pete. I, he's the one you should have more of an issue with, not me reacting to it. That's just my opinion, but Carl doesn't come out to these conventions uh, to do that. Um, and never pointed listeners to him. He practically begged to be on the podcast. And I have witnesses. There were, I feel bad. There was two individuals that wanted to stop by and talk to me. Mm -hmm. One wanted to buy the, a, a certain NES guidebook. They had to hear our conversation and our voices getting raised for about over 20 minutes Jesus while I was unboxing. Christ. And they tried to save me. They tried to like interject to like get him to go because we were just uh, spinning. All the greatest hits came out in this conversation that we've heard before. You see the bullet points? Said the market, Pete said the market was undergoing a correction. And I said, like I've said in the podcast, 70 to 80% downturn decrease is not a correction. I think it's hysterical to hear that. He said that he was a true collector. He started in 2015, came from the coin collecting slash investing world. Um, coin world, comics, cards, that's where a lot of these people come from. We talked about that in the past. I brought up uh, the, the, the connection between WADA and Heritage Auctions, the fact that Jim Halperin owns Heritage Auctions, was a founder and also was a co-owner of WADA. He said, 
being in quotes, people are allowed to know one another. That's always the nice. I mean, people way. are allowed to know one another, but it starts raising questions and eyebrows. Because you can have impropriety, improper relationships. That's why you got to keep business, rep- business relationships separate. He said that the Jim Halpern, I brought up, the, I brought up buying the Super Mario Brothers for $100,000. He said that that was public. <clears throat> they put a, a press release on their website. If you want to say that's public, fine. Sure. But, like, that's not to me because, like, if, if you went on Pawn Stars with the cart and said, like, oh, by the way. The, the, where this cart will might eventually be sold, the person that bought it owns the site it's going to be sold on and also invested in his co-owner of the grading company that is sitting in, that to me would be public. And they would obviously never do that because people would be like, well, this doesn't sound right. This does not sound right. This sounds like, this smells like collusion. Uh, it was never stated anywhere after that, after that uh, uh, press release relationship. Um, I basically said, uh, Ian, if you're following along here. Yeah, I'm looking. Uh, he got really offended when I told him, as long as you don't, you or in general, any collector doesn't try to do market manipulation or anything unethical, I don't care. I don't care what you do. You want to buy any game you want, I don't care. Stick it up your ass for like here, and it's nice acrylic case. I don't care. That's when he got actually very annoyed. He got very annoyed. I, and I said this quote, you either abide by ethics or you don't. So I was basically saying, this is not like, it's not like, it's like being pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. Like, there's not really in between. There's not really, well, I'm going to be semi-ethical on this. That's just the way this works. Um, this is where even the, the two the two fellows next to me started to, like, kind of snicker and laugh when he started getting to this. Can you read this quote to me right here? I'm try- he said that. Yeah, I got it right here. Uh, oh, no, I'm looking right at it. Where the, the, he said that graded slash sealed game collecting is new. Yeah. Oh, so the graded slash sealed game collecting is new. Told him it has been around forever, and VGA has been grading games for over ten years. The interest in it might be relatively newer, but sealed game collecting has been around forever. It's not a new market. No, it's not. So that I asked, well, this is what I said. Why do you think Heritage Auctions only started getting into graded games a few years ago when they could have done this the past ten, twelve years? I said, why? And why were they only exclusively selling WADA games and not VGA? I think they started to, but they weren't the first two, three years. No, they were um, He said, oh, you'll have to ask Heritage Auctions, not me. So it's a nice, I'll just play dumb. I'll just pretend that this is all in the up and up. Um, when the conversation turned, when like we obviously were spinning our wheels, he was getting more agitated. I was getting more agitated because it was like 20 minutes now. And like at some point, you, heard, you made your fucking point. Um, you're not going to be on the podcast. Just go away. There's people waiting to, to you know, to talk to me. Oh, um, yeah. He got more agitated than I did, and the people talking wait, were trying to say like that. So they're trying to interject. Even one said this. Uh, I don't know. The Jim Halpern thing sounded sounds pretty sketch. We, we brought up the relationship. Sure. So they were trying to just like nudge him away. It wasn't going to happen. And finally, I basically said, "Well, I was was like." He was starting to walk away because I realized we were nothing left to talk about. We're not going to be friends. I don't have to like you. You're not going to be in the podcast. That's it. Sure. We're done. We're done with this. So, again, I should have said this at the time, which I'll come back to. The the fundamental question, why do you care what people like Ian and me and Carl, why do you care about our opinion about this stuff? Why do you care so much that you want to come speak to me publicly about this and i'm under no obligation this is not fucking 60 minutes or crossfire i do not have to have another side of of a story on this this is a podcast this is an opinion podcast 
Yep. You put out your podcast. You talk to Danielle about what you think uh, is going to be worth a million dollars. We're going to have our point about things. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. Yep. yep. So before you get your Amico thing. No, uh, I'm not going to do it. This is too long. <laughs> we'll, I'll do the Amico thing next week. That was like 15 minutes. I'll do the Amico thing next week. You'll do it next week? That's fine. Um, so what I want to say about is, is this. I don't just talk. I talk to people when I go to conventions. Too many games. Retropalooza. Portland, SoCal. I don't go and try to make issues with people that are seal collectors, people that work with golden auctions, people that work with now CGC, people that work with even WADA. I'm friendly with everyone, but I also get information. I, I, I talk to people and learn what's happening. And even the people that like work for some of these companies or all the collectors know that this is a, a downturn and that it's like, they won't say to me directly, but in their heart, they know that this, this downturn was coming. They knew this was happening. Sure. They knew that, that this was going to be a bubble that was going to be burst and it was going to come down to earth. And it's just amazing that you have people that can admit to that because they, they because they actually have, you know, they, they, they're not disingenuous. And you have the people that are so desperate to cling on to a narrative because they have so much equity tied up that they're scared. They're scared it's going to get worse and worse and that they could be out of a lot of money. Because to some people, this is their livelihood. They'll yeah. buy and sell comics. They'll buy and sell coins. They'll buy and sell now graded video games. This is, this is their livelihood. That's not our problem, though. It's not our problem that... If you enjoyed this speculative rise, then now you you can you can't you can't have your cake and eat it. Too. You can't enjoy the rise, but when the fall comes, you can't bitch at us because we called it how we saw it. That's it. That's it. I wish you were there, Ian. I'm not sure. Maybe he waited for you to leave because he didn't want to have both of us there. But like, I didn't. I, I didn't know this person. I was like, I didn't know who this person was. I had to go back and remember. Oh, it's, it's from that short clip. Just insanity. All right, Ian, we got uh we got voicemails. You go to anchor.fm slash CU podcast and you'll leave us a voicemail and uh keep it short and sweet, like 20, 20 seconds, and then uh hopefully you can make the air. Greetings, Pat and Ian. This is Nico from Finland. Uh Disney Illusion Island was revealed recently on D23 Expo in Anaheim. I'd uh, love to hear your thoughts about the game. It's it looks like a Rayman Origins slash Rayman Legends type of game, like a platformer with multiple players did you see that no i didn't let me take a look illusion islands yes oh okay okay there was a trailer that came out about a month ago or so it came out in september yeah it's great animation oh, game looks great yeah it's like it's like a traditional animation looking style you have the older style uh like uh, mickey and Minnie. uh Yep, the Mickey, uh, the, like cartoons. 19, like 30s or 40s looking. And yeah, I can see what he means. It's like a multiplayer Rayman Legend. I, I would play it. Yeah, I, yeah, don't, I don't have any like deep thoughts on it, but I would absolutely play that. Sure. Hello there, Pat and Ian. This is Karen. Okay, I Karen. have an NES question for you. Okay. What about the springs on the cartridge tray going bad and preventing the cart from snapping into position? While dirt and dust causes most NES errors, the springs on the tray are also known to fail, right? Isn't that why the top loader did away with it? <laughs> Or are the bad springs on my NES just my punishment for using a game genie? <laughs> How do you even fix a cartridge tray anyway? So Thanks for your time. I mean, it's it's it's, it's not a common thing. I, I have seen NESs where the springs are gone, but I don't see. I haven't seen it often. I've never seen any uh, problem where the springs are the problem. I've have seen the problem where the latch is the problem because the, oh, the, the latch the, keep it down. The plastic can wear away over gotcha. time. Um, I mean, to replace one, 
you uh, honestly find a the cheapest broken Nintendo you can, and you just take it apart. Replacing the tray is not very hard. Uh, you just unscrew some screws, you slide the old tray out, you take the tray out of the other one, you slide the new tray in, you screw it back down. Well, is that tray part of if you buy like a replacement one? Is that part of that as well? Or are you talking about something totally different? What do you mean? You can buy replacement. Uh, you know, like blinking light wind and stuff like that. You can oh, sure, but that's yeah. different. I mean, if you want an actual replacement tray, you take it out of a Nintendo. The blinking oh, but... light wind isn't a normal tray. Gotcha. Gotcha. They actually, the, the, the one for the Play of Punk Challenge was a blinking light wind. I almost pushed it down. There was a, there was a sticker saying, you know, don't push down. Because, well, you can't push it down. Good old Quan. <laughs> yeah, that's a good product. Yeah, that was, that was bad. The, the, that design was horrible. Horrible oh, yeah, design. Yeah. Not as not as not, not as bad as the, the you know the red light ring of death on three sixty, but one step uh, away from that. Next one. Hey Pat and Ian, this is Danny. First time calling hey. into the show. I'm breaking my silence because I've heard you all discuss several times the topic of arcades living on in the form of barcades, and I know it was brought up recently. I do agree with you all for the most part because that's all that I see. However, do you think it could be regional? Just hear me out on this. I'll hear you. When I traveled to the Vancouver, British Columbia area, I was shocked to visit not one, but two arcades that are alive and well. They were family-friendly, they were packed, they had plenty of new games there, and I didn't see any alcohol there either. Um, you're going to have to have a very special spot in order to have a traditional arcade. Yep. I mean, like non-redemption machine arcade without alcohol. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to be like in a tourist trap area, um, like a boardwalk sort of thing. But they all have like redemption machines because that's how you make your money, right? And that's how, that's what kids want to win prizes. It's tough. I don't. I think we are past the point where you could put up a traditional arcade with just literally just games, like games you play like that, and, and make it a go. I don't know. As I have said in the past, I would love more arcades that are not attached to a bar. Um, because I don't always want to do that. It's like, I love going out and playing pinball, but I'm getting seriously sick of having to go to a bar every single fucking time I want to play pinball, a loud fucking bar. I don't want to do it. Um, so I would love a little bit more of an old fashioned arcade. Uh, but yeah, I mean, drinks are cheap. That's there's a lot of markup on beverages. That's how you make the money. I mean, cheap to make drinks, not to buy them. I see. Oh yeah. Cheap to make them. Yeah. Hey guys, this is Alex from Las Vegas. Hey Alex. I was hoping to get some insight on a few things from a couple of San Diegans such as yourselves. My girlfriend and I want to take a road trip to San Diego. She's a water lover, so I think we'll probably end up at SeaWorld. But do you have any thoughts about SeaWorld versus the zoo? Am I making a mistake there? Um, well, yeah, I mean, yes. they're totally different types of organizations. Um, that too. They're totally different types of organizations. Um, and, the, I mean, the zoo... The zoo is where you're going to see everything you want to see. And the zoo is massive. SeaWorld is not that big. No. No. And, yeah, and you know, the, the zoo does all the conservation stuff. And SeaWorld is like SeaWorld is like a, like a circus, basically. That's the way he describes SeaWorld is like a circus. And they have other stuff. I'm not saying, you know, boycott everything. Um, they have redemption games. They have stuff like mini boardwalk stuff. They have a, like a, their own uh, Halloween thing going on, which actually looks interesting. It has nothing to do with mm-hmm. has nothing to do with SeaWorld proper. It's just like, oh, we have Halloween events coming yeah. out. Like how great adventure used to have, you know, Fright Fest back in the day. And I, I'm actually curious about that because like, I, I miss that sort of stuff. I'm like, there, there's, not a, there's not a lot of cornfields around here like there are in Jersey or like haunted hayrides. I'm sure you can find them, but not, not really close. 
Hey Ian, I've been playing a totally standalone, totally free Doom 2 mod called Ashes 2063. It's based on basically every great post-apocalyptic piece of media, not just movies, but also books and other things from the 1980s. Uh, it's fantastic. I think you should check it out. The soundtrack is based almost entirely on John Carpenter cues and music from Phantasm's original soundtrack. It's excellent. I just wanted to know, what is your guys' favorite game mods? Bye. Thanks, Toy. I do I have any favorite game mods? I don't know that I do. Uh, I don't. No wad, no Doom wads. I mean, like? for Doom wads, the the That's alien, the alien one. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, I can't remember the official name of it, but that was mind blowing to oh, me. Oh yeah, as a as a teenager, that was fucking fantastic. I never got into any Civilization mods or anything. You can make your own units and stuff. Even the older games, you could make your own stuff. Yeah, I haven't really ever done any Bethesda um, mods or anything like that. It's a tough one, toy. Yeah. Hey Ian, Pat, hey. Paul here. Who would win in a fight? Billy Mitchell or Tommy Tallarico? I'm imagining a double dragon NES finale here. Thank you. Uh, I'm not sure they'd be in the same weight class. Uh, it yeah. be fair. Hi Pat. Hi Ian. It's Dave here from Scotland. Hey, I have a food question for you guys. Um, you may be aware of chip shops here in the UK. In Scotland, we call them chippies. Uh, and basically you can get deep fried pizza deep fried haggis deep fried sausage like deep fried everything you can think of even chocolate bars like you name it we'll deep fry it um they're also run by quite a lot of italian families here in scotland so i don't know if pat that's something you're aware of but yeah just looking to get your guys thoughts on uh chippies or chip shops if you know about them and yeah keep up the great work no dave that's not something we have we don't have deep fried shops so i've never uh i've never been to one but i have definitely heard of them before and it's pretty hilarious uh to see like a i think they call them a fry up where you just order a bunch of different fried foods and they 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 send it to you Deep fry. What was the one he told me? Deep fried pizza. Yeah, they deep fry like literally fucking anything. I mean, we anything did anything you want. They'll deep fry. We it. did in college until someone threw a phone in and we had to drain the water because it was uh, the oil because it was ruined. <laughs> the deep fryer. I'm very disappointed in you guys. With all the UK listeners and all the questions coming in from us, our queen died and you never mentioned it. <laughs> God save the queen. She's gone forever, 70 year reign. Oh, <laughs> God save the queen. Please mention it. Love you guys. Bye. <laughs> it's your boy J Bo. I forgot. Yeah, we know yeah, J Bo. Yeah, J Bo, if you had a drink or two. <laughs> Cheeky J Bo. I'm not gonna, I don't there, care about the queen. There was someone, I mean, it's, it's people are sad. I'm sad that they're sad. Um, there was someone that aggressively came after me, though, for not mentioning it on my one of my Twitch streams. They were like, how dare you not say something about like our allies and the queen? I was like, what the what? I mean, what am I going to say? I don't. It, it, people are sad. It's you know had a had a good run. Yeah, her nineties. Like, what do you want me to say? Hey, Pat and Ian, this is Pat from New York. Pat. A few years ago, I played Cinemora X and convinced myself I might actually enjoy side-scrolling shoot 'em ups. This was part of my own ritual of playing a few games outside my comfort zone each year. So this year. I wanted to revisit that genre, and partially because Ian often references the franchise, I picked up R-Type Final 2. Needless to say, it just did not do it for me. So my question for both of you is, what are two to three side-scrolling shooters you'd recommend to someone like me, who doesn't have an extensive history with the genre, but does have an interest in trying to find that game that gets me into it? Thanks, guys. So, um... 
I, I can agree with you. I like our type final too, but our type is an interesting shooter because you have the force pod that you're constantly yes. yo-yoing out or bringing in. And a lot of the levels as you get deeper into it are very hard and require very precise use of the force pod. So I could see that. Um, side-scrolling shooters that I think would be good for a beginner to get into. I think absolutely you should play Blazing Star on the Neo Geo. Um, it's a really fun shooter. It's not very difficult to get into. Um, I like it a lot. Wait a minute. Did he, did he, did he say shooters or running gun shooters? Well, he, just, he brought up our type final too. So okay. he was talking about so shooters. Sure. Okay. Um, I thought he said run and gun at first too, but okay. he then mentioned our type. Gotcha. Uh, I would also say... Um, Twin B! Uh, Side-scrolling? I don't really like Twin B. Um, well, it's both, but yeah. Well, yeah, it is. Uh, the other one I like, uh, side-scrolling, is uh, Aero Blasters. I really enjoy Aero Blasters. I like Hellfire. Hellfire on the Genesis is fantastic. UN Squadron is amazing. Uh, and it's also really good on the um, PC engine. Hey, guys. It's Mike uh, from California. Mike? My question is for you, Pat. Sure. I just happened to have come from San Diego and stopped by Little Italy uh, for some good food. I was just curious, since you're Italian, what are your thoughts of the place? Uh, any good restaurants that you recommend? Or do you yeah. think it's just super touristy and not really true Italian? Thanks. No, it's, it's the best you're going to get for Italian around. Mona Lisa is really oh, good. Mona Lisa is fantastic. Volare, not Volare. What's the other one called? There's only there's like two main restaurants that are really good there. Uh, Little Italy restaurant. What's the other one that's good? I don't know. I, honestly, for me, it's Mona Lisa's. Mona Lisa's like good, and then you have stuff like um, there's only there's only like four or five restaurants or six Italian. There's not like a ton there that are like real Italian. Uh, Salontos, that's a good one. Salontos, that's a good one. They have a bakery there. Um, I have not been to Ristorante Ilando, Tuscan Fair, and you have a few pizzerias. I'm not counting the pizzerias. There's a few pizzerias. Uh, Zucchero, Zucchero's, that's the other one too. So there's like the three main ones, and there's also like an Italian um, like grocery store there. So, uh, so yeah, there's like there's like a handful of places. Yeah, they're, I guess they're all good. I haven't had a bad experience there. I'll do like two more here. Hey, Pat, me, and fuck you. Okay, I guess that's uh, maybe a reference to uh, the, the... A certain someone. <laughs> hey, Pat, me, and fuck you. Oh! I didn't mention this during the intro. So we didn't really bring this up as a topic about a couple of uh, dev prototype consoles being sent out to a couple of the cultists. Um, yeah, there's just not a whole lot to say. Uh, if you look at the the Reddit, the Intellivision underscore Miko Reddit, uh, you'll see that everyone is actually fairly certain that it's the exact. If it's not the same one that was sent to Hans, it's a replica of. Yeah. So he got what was sent to Hans basically, and there are two people who've been looking for them, and one of them said that they didn't get theirs yet. They're waiting on the second wave of uh, prototype units to go out. And honestly, everyone, and I think they're right. They think that like this is just one unit that's kind of getting shuffled around, or a couple. Yeah. I don't know what one was in the box. It might have been the same box that John. Well, the one guy who didn't have one and said he was waiting for the second wave is like one of the only other people I could ever think of them sending one out to. So I don't oh, think there's a second wave. I think there's a second one. The diehard one with the wristbands that yes. is an investor and almost never discloses that they were an investor. Yes, that one. Gotcha. That one. The one that said just said oh in that <laughs> clip. Okay, yeah, it's it's sad because like this is like their only reward for being um, so like like they they not just died on this hill. They were put 
12 feet under on this hill and that this is their like reward is like, I'm going to look at a like semi-functioning pre-production unit with games, I guess, probably loaded on no functionality with any, any online store who the hell knows what the battery life is on these, on these units. And like, they're not allowed for myself. They're not allowed to talk about it. Oh, they can talk about anything uh, positive they want, but they're under NDA for anything weird. Oh, that's not how NDAs work, though. I know. NDAs usually aren't, oh, you're not allowed to say anything bad. That's called a non-disparagement uh, non-disparagement agreement. And NDA means you can't talk about anything. Right. But, so they're literally under NDA for bad things, what is deemed bad? I, I, that's that, basically what people are saying. Like, whenever uh, like questions get tough, they're under NDA, but they can talk about anything else that they want. That's not an NDA. An yeah, NDA means you can't talk about anything. Thing. Yes. We get a product, or so you can't break the embargo for anything until a certain date. This is just a fucking laughable joke. It's just, it's just, it's just a worse and worse joke. All right, we got one more person we're going to check in with here. See you, podcast. Here we come. Oh, this is your paisano, Chris Pratt, calling in <laughs> over here. You guys don't think I sound like a real Italian? Come on, you know what I did to prepare for that role. I watched Goodfellows. I watched the Gag Fatter. I ate at the Olive Garden for a whole month. But I think Tommy was right. I think you are racist against Italians. Everybody is nowadays. They got rid of Columbus Day. Now they call it indigestion, whatever the fuck. And Ian says, I'm just a dumb white guy. I'm not dumb like everybody says. I'm smashed. And I want respect. Smart. I'm smart. I'm not dumb like people say. I want respect. What a great performance. God, I always get that actor's name. Such a great performance as Fredo. Jim Cavazzo. Not Jim Cavazzo. He played Jesus. What the oh, hell is his Fredo name? Fredo is... Uh, Fredo actor. Uh, I love the dude. John Cazal. Uh, yeah. It was, I knew it was a C and a Z in there. John Cazal. He died way early. I think he died like 1980. Mm-hmm. He was in the conversations with two Godfathers. He was in Deer Hunter. You ever see Deer Hunter? No. Amazing. Um, yeah. Such a so, so good as Fredo. So good. Oh, he died in 78. He was only 42. Anyway. Well, there you go. Yeah, people got on you for saying Chris Pratt's a dumb white guy. I think they got on you for that last week. All right. That's it for the CU podcast. That's it. That's it. Let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat. <laughs> um. We'll be back next week with some more fun. I'm going to be at, forgot to mention, I'll be at the, at Retropalooza this weekend in Arlington, Texas, Dallas, Fort Worth area. Come by, say hi. It'll be fun. Hopefully not too hot in October. I got to bring this up because this story keeps evolving. Uh, Andy Robinson from Platonic, who uh, was the ex-Platonic writer for Ukulele, Impossible Lair, does some magazine stuff is coming out and saying that they can corroborate Jason Schreer's reporting over the Bayonetta 3 pay dispute. Uh, corroborate which one? Which side, you mean? Platinum. Platinum's right? That's what he's saying. So this lady's a kook. Maybe. Like. Maybe. Well, we'll see. We'll yeah. see how this unfolds. This is going to be an interesting week. I mean, Platinum wouldn't say that because, like, if, they, if push came to shove, they'd have to document it. So like okay yeah everyone everyone is like got varying opinions so we'll see where this goes next week not no, not looking good for for uh, <laughs> the original voice actor we'll see all right we'll all see right, you later right. everyone.